Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 61 and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. I am excited to share the interview today. It is with Susie Haitley. She is the owner and founder of Functional Synergy, which is an umbrella of many businesses, which she explains, but mainly focuses on helping people to feel their best physically and mentally. Uh, We talk about how important sleep is and how our culture of hustle, exhaustion, and never sleeping is getting in the way of our ambition and success. She shares how and why she started her own business, why she thinks it's important to still have clients while training others in her method, and how she was able to scale her business. She shares her one trick for how she manages to be a great mom, run her businesses, and still keep a positive perspective on life. I really enjoyed talking to Susie. She is actually going to be back on eventually in a few months when she launches her next project. She has so much to say and really both of these topics are right up my alley, Uh, sleep and health, but also business. And I really liked hearing how she has incorporated both and also her perspective on um, just our culture today on sleep and how you feel bad if you are sleeping. I don't know if anyone else is that way, but if you even think about taking a nap, you feel guilty, or if you've slept in past 5 a.m., you feel guilty, and it's a very weird situation that we've gotten ourselves in, and I'm sure social media doesn't help. I personally don't help because I know when I work out in early in the morning, I will put a timestamp on it, uh, so I apologize for that, uh, but I do feel guilty if I am not awake and up at 5 a.m., but then also not sleeping till 11 p.m., and I know it's not great for our health, Um, We put so much emphasis on everything else we do and the food we eat and getting exercise, but sleep um, is slowly becoming the forefront of the next health movement, which I am pumped about. And so we talked a lot about that. I could talk about that forever, but we did tie in her business. She's done a great job on scaling her business. She's also a mom of two of twins, two children who are twins and which seems very stressful to me and seems like you'd get a lack of sleep but she has managed to still run her businesses um, and stay sane. So let us jump into it. This is an awesome full episode. Here is Susie. Do you want to start with introducing yourself and giving us three fun facts to get going? Sure. My name is Susie Haitley, and I think the most fun facts right now for me is that I'm a mom of twin toddlers, and that just is fun all around. It's it's a lot of fun. And um, about uh, seven or eight years ago, I learned from a good friend of mine how to make chocolate truffles, and every Christmas, um, we, my husband and I, we make um, about 1,500 pieces of truffle <laughs> it sounds like wow. it sounds like an awful lot but it's actually it, it's amazing how doable it is but it's super super fun and um and then the the third fun fact that I'm I'm playing with right now and I'm just kind of getting into it is learning Spanish that's um Ooh. it's been a language I wanted to learn when I was in high school and just I didn't I chose German for some reason instead and so now it's coming back to say learn me that's what I'm learning now is that hard? How are you learning that? Like, are you using whatever that app is uh, to learn it? No. Or- well, I, I, yeah, I started, I, I made a, I, I, I started with French in school and I took to French really easily. And then uh, uh, a, a, 
couple of years ago, I took a course at the University of Calgary and so started my way into it. And so now um, I'm playing around with the books and tools that I got from there and just, and just my, and our nanny who was with us a day and a half a week, she's pretty fluent. And so I'll ever so often we'll kind of uh, play around. It, it really is a part-time, part-time thing that I'm learning. And so it's, it's, I'm going along as I'm going along. No, that's awesome. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's good for your brain to switch things up in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and before we get into what you do now, can you share with us where you got started? Well, after I got my degree, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And my degree was in kinesiology. I received that from the University of Victoria. Most of my fellow graduates were either heading off to medical school or physio school or OT or something of that sort. And I just wasn't ready to do that. And, and I'd heard about a pain clinic in Vancouver and I ultimately wanted to live in Vancouver. And so I, I just applied and that's how I got started. And then from there, um, it was just this organic process of realizing I was really good at what I did. And it, it just, I followed my nose in a sense, and it just grew from there. And what kind of things were you doing at this clinic? What does a pain clinic mean? So the in BC, there is ICBC, which is the provincial insurer for motor vehicle. And there's also WCB. And so people were coming to us who had had um, injury associated with motor vehicle accidents as well as work-related. And they were in a four-hour program. Um, to help them get back to work. And so my job at that time was as an exercise therapist. And so the physio and the OT and I would have assessed them and then we would create a program for them. So I was helping them utilize an exercise therapy, getting back to where they needed to be in order to get back to their jobs. And so some people worked at desks and other people worked in very physical jobs. And so my job was to general fitness, but also very work-specific fitness. Okay. And was this just from your kinesiology degree? Like, were you a kinesiologist or had you done more school to get more specific education? So I took the, the, the work that I had gained as a kinesiologist, as a, as a, um, as with my bachelor of science and applied it. So it's not like I worked as what they called a registered kinesiologist, but it wasn't that when I was in school, I trained to work with people in pain. It was more that I learned about exercise physiology and motor uh, coordination and biomechanics and anatomy. And then I took that and then applied it to the, the work at the clinic. Cool. And where did yoga come into all of this? Was that something you always did or because you're just in Vancouver, so you did yoga or Victoria? <laughs> <laughs> well, what was, what was interesting is I moved to Vancouver, moved to Vancouver and interestingly, I was in pain and I had been an athlete when I was a teenager and quite a good one. And I also kept injuring myself and, and I had about two years of pain and being a university student and graduate, I didn't have a whole lot of money. So there wasn't a lot that I could do. And my roommate suggested that I try yoga. And I thought it was the absolute weirdest thing ever. And I looked around the room and actually thought to myself that I still remember this moment to this day and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm not the only one who thinks this is weird. And remember, I'm coming from a, an elite athlete perspective. And 
something worked, like something just clicked, like a, one of those light bulb moments. And I thought, okay, this is weird, but it works. And then I kept at it. And four months later, after being in pain for two years, I ran one of the fastest 10K runs I'd ever run pain-free. And I started to incorporate that, what, that's what I was learning at the, in the class to the patients at the clinic, and they started to get better faster. So I saw that there was something that was working. I, of course, back then, I had no clue what it was. I just saw that something was up. And I, again, just followed the path of it and, um, and it led me to where I am today. And can you share that path? Do you want to go a little bit deeper into how you moved from working at the clinic with clients there to really starting your own business? So what happened is at the clinic, I was only working part-time and ICBC had opportunities where I could work directly with them. And so I received uh, client loads directly from them and I worked in community centers. And, um, and then from there, um, I would just travel from community center to community center every afternoon, Monday to Friday. When I left Vancouver and went traveling for a bit, I decided I would move to Calgary. When I got to Calgary, there wasn't the same setup. And so I put all of that on hold a little bit and did other work within the field of insurance. And interestingly, I learned a lot about how insurance works, how disability management works, how um, long-term and short-term insurance works. And, um, and, and then when I started into teaching yoga and I got my, uh, my yoga teacher certificate, people just started to come to my classes who had a lot of pain. And I remember being a little bit surprised by it how many people had, had pain because other than being in the clinic, I didn't know a lot of people who had pain. Um, so it was surprising that so many people were coming. And then I, I, I was still was doing my kinesiology work. I had branched into ergonomics and was doing ergonomics consulting for some companies in the city of Calgary. And I was becoming a bit dumbfounded because I really thought at the time that ergonomics was the holy grail. And if we could just get people set up properly in front of their computers then the pain would go away. But I would have these people come into my classes and their setups were great. We were, this was back in the um, late 90s, early 2000s, and, and ergonomics was a really big, sexy thing that lots of companies were taking on and there was lots of education. But my client, these clients coming in through the yoga had the setup, but they were still in pain. I'm thinking, what's going on here? And that's when I started to put it all together thinking, well, hold on a second. There's more to just having a good setup. There's sitting all day, which even back then I knew was not the greatest thing. And there's learning how to just move better. And so after that, I was the studio that I was working at. They went a different direction in terms of philosophy and how they were teaching. And a lot of people who had pain still wanted to work with me. And that studio just wasn't interested in, in pursuing the pain side of things. So I just started opening up spaces in other places. And so one of them was a room in a Pilates studio. Another one was a room in a, um, in a makeshift type of fitness space. Another one was in a physio clinic. Um, and I just found rooms in places. And then I, I gradually built up a following and people would just register for a class in one of those spaces. And then in time, I developed quite a wait list for people. And then I decided to open my own studio. And so I took all those people and I had a, a studio space, which studio is, is a bit of a, um, is a, it's a loosely held term because I only had one room and it, I took 10 people per class. 
Um, but it was a common space. So rather than having to travel all around the place, then I could just be home in one space. And I ran that for about four or five years. And that was solely therapeutic applications of yoga. So that's all I did. Um, and, and then when I was, um, this might be going off in a bit of a dog leg, but then in about in 2006, I had a sister who passed away quite suddenly and it sort of shook me up and shook up my world and made me do one of those. What am I doing this for all? And then I sh shifted gears a little bit and started doing more training of teachers and, um, and, and modified a little bit more of what I was doing and started to teach groups less and, and began teaching more one-to-one -one people after that time. And is that what you do now as well? And so now today, the, there's a, a large component of my business that is on uh, training teachers. So yoga teachers who have already got their teacher training and helping them integrate therapeutic aspects of yoga into their practices. And then it's grown into supporting healthcare professionals to do the same thing. And so I work with physical therapists or physiotherapists, um, some chiropractors, medical doctors who are really keen on yoga and want to do more of it with their, with their patient base. And then I also have a, a growing one-to-one uh, -one practice that just keeps sort of evolving and, and, and growing on its own. Um, and so I work with both the, the non-teacher healthcare professional as well as the teacher and healthcare professional. And is that all under the Functional Synergy name? Like, is that all under the same company? Or is that kind of under the everything? <laughs> yeah, under the same company name, yes. Um, like, for instance, on our, on our like the functionalsynergy.com site is mostly a teacher training healthcare professional site. And I have a small page on there saying, are you looking for private one-to-ones? And then we've also, in that we're in the process of building out a new site, um, which is focused on burnout and, and the, it's, it's on the edge of burnout because most of the private one-to-one -one people that I work with are either overcoming pain and they're exhausted out of doing that process, or they are entrepreneurs and executives who have um, just worked themselves into a position where they are skirting that edge of burnout and they've had professionals tell them that they need to do something or they're going to be in big trouble. So I often work with them to help them get out of that place and back in, back onto their game. And so we're building out this site of edge of burnout to really cater to those folks. Okay. So you kind of hit all areas of the work to help other people teach it, but also you still have clients as well just mm -hmm. like okay is that correct <laughs> yeah that is correct and it's because and truly it's because i there's two reasons one is I, i've always believed that i don't think i and really anyone and it's, it's a fundamental belief of mine should train other people to do what they do if they're not teaching clientele because you only have so many stories to tell your skills are only, can be only so up to date and so I always maintained a private one-to-one -one business, even while I was building up my teacher training. And then that, it just started to explode and I, I really, really enjoy it. So the two of them, the two sides really feed each other quite nicely. And when you're, you can take any of the businesses really um, to answer this, but what, what is your approach you take when training people in your method or when you train clients? Like what are, What's kind of the process that people go through? Well, I think the, the fundamental philosophy that I have is that nobody is broken 
even if there's a broken bone, is that n nobody's broken and that symptoms, as annoying and frustrating as they might be, they are a communication system of your body mind to you. And so it's not about getting rid of those symptoms. It's about understanding them and decoding them. And once people start to really appreciate what that is, then they have this entirely new perspective on listening to their body. Because I, I think we, we hear this notion of listening to your body out there, but a lot of people have no clue really what it means. There's a lot of people who are, are so tired, they don't even know what feeling rested is anymore. That tired has become so normal. And they've blown by what I call the whispers. Um, and, and they, and yeah, and they're, they're just tired. And that tired is, um, is more considered normal. Like people value being busy and being productive and saying how tired they are. Like we hear that a lot. And, um, and so my take on it and what's difficult I find with the entrepreneurs and the executives that I work with initially, what's difficult for them is for them to actually listen to those because a lot of them believe that the symptoms that were getting in the way of their ambition and getting in the way of their success and that they saw it as being a really good thing to shove them aside. And then when they now have to pay attention to them, they're like, well, wait a second, isn't it weak for me to uh, do something with these? Like, shouldn't I be, isn't it mind over matter? And, and there's, a, there's, there's this process that I'll explain in just a second around around when, like in mind over matter, yes, there, the mind, you can do that, but it, there's a point where the matter actually matters and your mind will keep going and going and going and going like a rat in a cage forever until you have your last breath and your body though, that will deteriorate. And so it, it the body is not a renewable resource the way it like, like the mind is. And so much of what I do, I focus in on the body. And then partly it's because I come from a kinesiology background. I come from a, a physical structure background. But I find that when I work with people, they've got such strong minds and such strong mindsets. And it's difficult to measure objectively how their mind is actually doing. Whereas I can say to them, and they can see how their leg bone is moving in their pelvis, whether they have mobility or not, whether they can do a movement or not, like their body is pretty objective. And so I can show them how their body is moving, where they are limited, um, where they're tight, where there's what I call dysfunctional movement, and then I can help them improve that. And what they learn through that process is awareness, because a lot of time where the pain is, is not the problem. The pain or whatever symptom someone's experiencing is, um, is a sign or an expression of a limitation that the real issue lies under the level of awareness. And so we can't change anything we're not aware of. So when we, when we come into what we're aware of, then we can actually solve the problem. So part of my job is to help the person become aware. And then when they become aware, then we're, we're off to the races. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that approach, especially I feel like it's so relevant right now. Like you said, all the entrepreneurs, basically everyone's an entrepreneur and everyone is talking about how they're like the grind and the hustle and everything. And no one really talks about how it's okay to sleep and to like take time for yourself. Well, here's what's kind of a, um, the cosmic joke, if I can call it that, is that the, the more tired you are, the less creative you are. And the thing about entrepreneurs is 
that they are a highly creative person and they're actually not getting their best self when they are burning the midnight oil. And that there's lots of study on that now. And, and there, there's, there's people out there who, who think sleep is for wimps and for the weak, but, but really more and more people and big names out there are saying actually eight hours of sleep is really necessary. And, and if I, and some people will say six hours is, is the sort of the, the line at which they'll draw. Now, talk to a new a new mom and getting the six hour sleep is not necessarily what's going to happen but there's other ways to build up that that store and uh, we could talk about that too but the key is is if you're not if you're not rested you're not clear and I think it was Bill Clinton who said that all of his biggest mistakes in his presidency were when he was not rested right so I think that's um I think that in itself is powerful. I agree completely. Um, and do you want to, so what are some of the signs that people come in with who aren't sleeping properly, aren't getting enough rest? Uh, just for people that are listening, uh, maybe they can take a little bit of self-awareness right now. Some like, what are the major uh, problems that you see when people come into you with being exhausted, the burnout, all of that? They will tell me that they used to have a really clear mind. And one thing that they held very dear to themselves was a very clear mind. And it's, it's not clear anymore. They might say that they used to be so productive and they just can't get it out. Like they just can't knock out the day anymore. Or their recovery from a day is just not there anymore. And it's like, why? Like, why can't I do what I used to do? Why can't I the words I use are, why can't I pull up my bootstraps and carry on? I mean, I did this for decades and why can't I do it now? And, and I, I'm saying it in that way because they'll say that to me in that sort of passion. It's like, what's going on? Why is my body uh, attacking me? Or why is my body um, doing this to me? And, and I say to them, in some form, your body has been actually working for you in such a compensatory way to help get you to where you want to go. And it's just run out of steam. See, cause when we compensate, whether it's um, we're tired and then we might drink a bit more caffeine or we might find whatever stimulant elixir that we can, um, that we can find um, that is a compensation for our true energy system. And we can do that. We're, we're borrowing from one system in order to satisfy another system. But in the process, we're becoming weaker overall. So it becomes, it, it, it ends up working against us. So if you're noticing that you're just not as clear as you used to be, if you notice that you're not recovering or you're not, you're waking up and you're still really tired, those might be some really good signs for you just to, to check in. And is there something that people could do like, today right now um besides coming to see you or book an appointment but that they can just do today to improve that well what i would offer them is probably one of the biggest challenges of their life and that is to say no and take a nap and how do people react to that suggestion <laughs> Well, if they're people who, um, if they're people who think sleep is for the weak, then they'll, they won't take too kindly to it. 
but the, what though those who do when they actually get the 10 minutes of shut eye they feel a lot less or a lot more clear so it just depends like I, I call it I call it a big challenge because a lot of people who I see are very successful they're very driven um, and they're expecting me to to kick their butts and yet what they end up getting from me is a, a butt kicking <laughs> they didn't expect right like i challenge them in a way that they don't actually expect to be challenged and in doing so they actually connect to their best self and they get back on their game in a whole new way so i'm i had one guy come in and say to me you know my physician told me that i need to quit my job what do you think and i said to him well it's not my job to give you advice but what i can say is this you could quit your job and you could go to um, your summer home and you could rest up and you will walk along the streets and you're going to find a business that is a problem and you're going to be turned on by it and you are going to want to help it. And you're going to feel rested and you're going to say, great, a new project for me to work on. But because you actually haven't resolved the issue that is the actual issue, then you're just going to fall right back into the same predicament. If though, you take the time now to actually address the issues that are the issues. You can stay in the job that you love. You can have the, maintain the lifestyle that you have, and you could actually do a better job because you'll be that much more connected and stronger and more productive. And so that's kind of how I left it. And, and later his wife actually said to me when I met up with her about two years later, she said, you know, if he had quit his job back, then he would have combusted. Like he, he would have lost his mind. And you were one of the one people who gave him hope that there was another way. And, and I think that's the real message is I think a lot of people don't believe that there is another way or they really think that it's either go like heck or go like hell, however you want to put that, that term. And then, um, and if you can't do it that way, then there is no other way. And the truth of the matter is, is that there, that there is, and it's, a, it's a actually more productive, more profitable, more sustainable. And from what I've seen from my clientele, um, way more enjoyable. Right. Well, especially if people like, it's such a short term thing. If they're like, oh, I can't take the hour to have a nap or whatever, because I have so much to do. But like you just said, that if they can see it in the long term, that in the end, you'll feel better and be able to work better then it's worth taking the steps and like like couple hours a day to do it. Yeah, and I think the other piece too is that I'm not someone who will um who will like go to be at a cocktail party and 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 preach what I just was preaching. People tend to come to me when they're ready. People find me, people are referred to me. Most of most of the work that I've done has been under the radar for the longest time. I didn't even have a page on my website that had anything about one-to-one -one sessions. People just found me. And then I decided one day to make it a bit more noticeable. And even at that, I still don't do a whole lot of marketing for it. And, and I truly prefer those kinds of clients because only when someone has, has come to a place where their life feels so constricted that they are ready for the change, will they actually make the change? If someone sort of, um, someone is toying with the idea, but they can still find a way around, if they can still find whether it's a stimulant or a this or a that or whatever, they will find that way until they can't. And so I'm working with the people who are in the can't stage. They're, every so often I meet up with someone who 
kicks into what it is that I have to say. And it's like, oh, that sounds really good. And there's a, there's an intuitive hit that their body's trying to get their attention and they're not quite at that, that need to quit the job phase. And, and very, but more of the time than not, people are along that they're, they're, they're done. They're enough is enough. And they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. And is this the same, like, is this the approach that you are training other people in? Yes. And so the fundamental piece of it is I use this traffic signal as my, my metaphor. And when people come to me, they have red light pain and the aim is to help them understand the yellows because the yellows are the whispers and they let you know where you're at in terms of red. And so then they, people learn um, what the compensatory strategies that they're using. They feel when their fatigue's coming on, they feel when the pain's coming back or their symptoms are returning and they can intervene at a, at a level that's not red. And so then they learn more yellow and then they start to learn how to oscillate between yellow and green. And that's really where this takes off. When people can be in this yellow to green phase and, and they can manage their energy a lot better, they can manage symptoms a lot better. And so I, I, I say to people and I say to the people that I train, I'm not curing anybody of anything. And so even though we work with a lot of people who have autoimmune conditions and they're their flares go way down. I have not changed anything genetically that they have. Like the, the fact that they have what they have, like whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or MS or, or back pain, um, it's more about managing and being aware of the triggers that lead to a flare, the triggers that lead to symptoms increasing. And when you can mitigate them at a quieter level, you, it really can transform the way that you experience your health and your life. And what are some of the steps that people go through in your training um, to be able to then teach that to their own clients? Like what kind of, I don't know if that question makes sense, but like the process that is your training to get like that message across. So, so that people have a thousand hours of working with me. So we meet over a two year period and we, I, I train them in the initial concepts and a lot of what I'm training them in is on their own body and their own self. And then as they start to learn in their own self, then they're able to teach it because I find it difficult to teach something that you're not practicing yourself. Um, and so they need to be eating their own cooking and, and enjoying it. And then after they do the first module, then they start to work with some family and friends and some current students. And there's a practicum that I take them through where I get to watch them teaching with video and, and they can start to get a feel for um, where their skill is at and where they get to improve. And then the final module is um, a year here in Calgary where we meet five times for 10 days each. And we just keep ramping up their skill level. And when you decided to launch this training section part of your business, um, was your initial thought you wanted to scale your business? What was like, what kind of process did you go through to decide that you wanted to share your, your knowledge and your training? People ask me, you know, I've never consciously gone out and said, I'm going to scale. Um, it's been more driven by people who have learned from me. And so when I was in about 2004, I published my first book and then that got around and then people called me up to teach workshops. So I traveled quite a bit teaching workshops and then people would say to me, yeah, your anatomy workshops are great, but I really am more interested in what you do with the therapeutic applications. And so then I started teaching that and then people would say, could you do a certification program? I'm like, not really. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But then people kept asking me. And then there was an international body that had been created to accredit programs in this. And 
And so it just seemed to be the right fit because if, if there are people who are asking, then it makes sense to provide what it is that they're wanting. And then it just, and, and my program is one of the more successful ones from what I understand in terms of um, yoga teachers can make a living because a lot of people in the yoga world don't make a big living. They tend to be hobbyists. So it's an exception to, to, to earn 50, 60, dollars $200,000. And, and that's in, in addition to the technical training that I offer people, I also offer the business training so that they really do make the living out of this, not only serving people, but also serving themselves. Right. Well, which is helpful if they're investing in this, that's nice that they can mm-hmm. then go on and have a full career with it. Sure. And if someone wanted to scale their own business for anyone listening, um, what advice and steps would you give them just based on your own experience? To listen to what people are asking for. As, as someone who's a lot older than me once said to me, he said, listen to the ducks quacking and what are they quacking for? And, and provide that and then figure it out. And so that's initially what I did is I provided that and figured it out and then, and then realized that um, like I made some mistakes along the way. And, um, and, I, and out of learning from those mistakes is I realized what I was really good at and, and then found other people to do the aspects of the training that I either didn't really like or I wasn't as good at. And so I brought in other trainers to support me with the delivery of some of the information so that I can do what I'm best at and what I most enjoy so that as I'm getting, uh, as I get bigger, it's not, and more widespread, it's not a, a drain on me. It's actually more thriving. So I think the, the bullet point there is a look, listen for what the, listen for the quacking ducks and what they're asking for. And then the second is, is allow, like take an inventory and sometimes you have to learn through mistake but take an inventory of what your greatest skill in, skill is and what you really like, and then focus there and then find the other folks with the skill and the talent to be able to deliver on what it is that you don't like as much and you're not as skilled at. I like it. And how quickly, when did you decide to scale? Did you say that was in 2014? Um, I started, oh, it's been a little bit organic. There was a there was a one phase in 2011, and there's been another phase in 2014, and we're about to go through another phase right now as we 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 continue to grow the training, but then also add in this this entrepreneurial executive side to the business. And I know you kind of mentioned it just in your advice that you just gave, uh, but what have been some of the major takeaways about business and running a business since becoming an entrepreneur? The, the first one is to, to remember all of life that we all can get really caught up in, 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 in the business. And one big thing I learned when I was pregnant is I knew that I wanted to continue running my business because I really liked it. And I also wanted to be a great mom. I mean, most of us who are female with kids are like that. And, um, and I, I sat back and thought to myself, all right, so what's the most important thing in my business that I need to focus in on? And, and so when I had my kids, I said to myself every single day, what is the one thing, absolute one thing I must do? And so I just focused on that one thing because A, I knew my energy reserves were going to be really low and I really wanted to spend as much time as I could with them. And I also had this love of my business that I still wanted to keep that going on some level. And, and we, I, I, I backed off quite a bit, but the 
but I kept the wheels on the bus and, um, and I just focused in on what's that one thing. So it, it's keeping perspective on the greater aspect of life and, and to, and to notice when you're veering off and just kind of getting too drilled into, into work. Um, and just to remember that there's another piece of life that's out there. And that's a great lead into my next question that I had, um, was how you manage being a mom of twins specifically, um, and then doing your training and teaching yoga and you've written a ton of books. So how do you manage all of that? Like on a day-to-day basis? Well, well, I think the first piece is that the books came before the kids. So that's, that's the first one. And a lot of the business that I built, uh, I had, I had momentum. So I think starting something with, with the birth of my kids would have been a different, different challenge for sure. So I had momentum going into it. And, um, and then the second piece of it is that I was really clear about what I wanted. So I didn't know what the temperament of my kids were going to be. I didn't know if they were going to be morning people or afternoon people or what I wasn't sure, but I, and so I kind of hoped because I'm a morning person. So I would, I hoped that I could do my one thing in the morning and then I could be with them in the afternoon, which worked. That's ended up what happening. Um, and, and then I hoped that they would be good sleepers and they, and they were, um, but I also, had learned because my sisters also had twins and, and, or one sister had triplets, another sister had twins. And, and so I, I sort of knew what I was getting into. And, and so we started early on setting routine with these guys and, and that really helped. So we we got into a routine, they got into a rhythm and I got into my rhythm around, okay, what's my one thing? And then just focused there. And my husband and I, we have weekly conversations about what the next week looks like and if there's anything out of the ordinary or any support that's required and um and then we 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 work together and so that's taken some time to get into that space um so i think the the biggie is is if you're coming if you've already got an established business and you're trying to figure out how to make it work just remember you, the the we, you're you're going to lose some momentum a little bit but what's the one thing you need to do to keep things moving forward and then start working with the people around you um like your husband or other or wife or spouse um who are who are part of this process and and creating some sort of uh, plan systems and 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 know that it's a dynamic process and that there's not things will consistently change. And so you've got to be flexible for that. Um, but it's very possible. I really do believe that, um, that moms and dads who have kids and have businesses, it's absolutely possible to make it work. It's just recognizing what you need to support yourself and then recognizing that there's a dynamic, uh, it's a, it's a dynamic process. And would you say that that those are some of the tips and strategies people should take um especially moms if they're struggling with the guilt of working um i'm not a mom but i've heard lots of people that even if they have decided to stay with their business or do their business they still have a bit of guilt um from taking even a little bit of time to work on their business yeah i think i think the key is is to is to ask yourself if you if you really love it and I realize that some people are in business and they might not like their business, but they need it for further living and lifestyle. So there's not that option. I, I completely appreciate that. Um, and, and I read something somewhere, which I, I took to heart, which was 
if my kids say to me, if I, if, if my kids say to me, you know, mommy, mommy, stay, stay, come play with me or some version of that. Then, and I, and I need to go in and work with a client or I need to do some work or something. And I'll say, I'll say something around the idea of, you know, mommy loves her work and mommy loves you. And when I'm done, I will come back and, and we, we will play. And then they just kind of go, okay. So it's, 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 I, I, I don't need to be there with them all of the time. And I've got really good, I've got a, I've got a great nanny who's with them a day and a half. Um, and they're, they're really good. Like she's really good with them. And, and so I'm comfortable. I, I also believe that it does take a village. And so I want more adults in their life, like really good, awesome adults. I want them to be exposed to really great people. So that helps mitigate any feeling that I might have. And when they're, when they finish up with, with Ivy, they're just, they're they, they love her to death. Like they just love her. And so it, it's, um, that I know they're, I know they're in a good space. So that's, that warms my heart. And so I, 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 I know they're good. And what do you do for fun to relax and recharge and disconnect either with your kids uh, when you have time with them or separately? Um, I do a lot of yoga and movement. That's one thing. And then when I'm with them, we're, we do a lot of outdoor stuff. So anything I do with them too, like whether it's outdoor, whether it's coloring or just being with them, I just, I mean, I love it. Like I, it's, it makes, it makes life really, they're just amazing little human beings. So I, I quite love just doing anything with them, whether it's coloring or playing with them or racing around the house with them. Um, but we also have a chariot and we, which is like one of those push carts, but also attaches to a bike or to cross country skis. And we will go out into the mountains and onto the trails and, and, and play that way. That's awesome. How old are they? I don't think I asked at the beginning. They're two. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. To me, that sounds terrifying and chaotic, but it sounds like you have a great con- control over that. <laughs> Well, remember though, and I heard this today actually from a client of mine, she was talking about getting wanted to get pregnant and, and had her own, had her own fears about it. And someone said to her, which is so true is that you, you don't give birth to children. You give birth to babies and babies are different than children. <laughs> like when I say children, I mean like toddlers, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> you start with babies. And I, there were times when I've seen like kids that when, I, when the kids were six months, I saw an 18 month old and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to have two at 18 months. This is crazy. <laughs> but then in 18 months came along, there was all these phases in, the, in that year that they, that they did great with. And so at 18 months, they were actually quite good, but it was sometimes the big leap. You kind of think to yourself, my God, what am I going to do? But it ends up not being so bad. Right. Well, I guess you have to, what other choice do you have, I guess, rather than yeah, <laughs> to just deal true. with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and is there a podcast, a book or resource that you would recommend to listeners? The, uh, the two books that I have listened to a lot, um, to support myself. The first one is Essentialism by Greg McCowan. That one, I think I've listened to about 5 billion times. And I found the book back in 2014. And then when I would push stroller when they were little, I would listen to it. And, and he is a, he's, he really informed me in terms of figuring out one thing, like just focusing on one thing every single day. And then there's a book called the one thing as well which is hand in glove with Greg's book. And so that's another one that um, I think is really great for people who are wanting to come into this place. That's not this crazy harried 
uh, busy, busy place and, and just to settle, settle in and find a group. Um, and that was kind of all my questions for this podcast. I feel like it was very, it was actually awesome. It was very informative. Um, and if Great. someone wants to find out more information about what you do or the training programs that you offer, where can they go and find you? The best place uh, that they can find us is at Functional Synergy. And like I said, that's most of the training site. There is a page that is for one-to-ones. And there's also a contact place there too that they can, they can uh, connect with us. Um, and they can always uh, do a search for edge of burnout, like into the URL, the edgeofburnout.com. That might be up and running by the time that people are listening to this. Um, but at functionalsynergy.com, they can also find me on Instagram at suzy.hately. And they can follow me there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all the info about business and health and sleep. That was awesome. That's terrific. Thank you very much. And and I think the final thing is that it's it's possible. I want I want people to know that if they're tired, whether it's women or men, whether they're parents or not, that it but change is possible, healing is possible. There's another way that you can be and that you can get out of a predicament that you're in if you feel like you're in one. So that it it is possible. You just might need to find another way. I think that's awesome advice. I feel like I mean, I feel like everyone's tired. Everyone complains they're tired or talks about being tired all of the time. So I think people need to start appreciating that and doing something about it rather than just mm-hmm. complaining about it. Mm-hmm. Or and along with that, I think there are a lot of people who don't know that there is another way. And so they continue to complain about it because I think on some level, their health, their spirit, or their soul is trying to get their attention. And so if this serves as a light bulb moment for somebody who who's saying, Oh, okay. She's actually saying something that makes sense. Then, then, um, then go for it because, um, there is another way. There is absolutely another way. There's a, you don't have to live exhausted and tired. Right. Which you think would be common sense, but it's sometimes it's not when you're just like in the day to day hustle mm-hmm. of your life. Yeah. Especially if you had kids, I can't even imagine. Yes. So (laughs) (laughs) yes. Awesome. Well, I think unless you have anything else to add, I think that is all I have for you. No, that's it. That's great. Thank you very much.